0: Hello and welcome to season three of Perspective. I am so excited to be back and recording the podcast and sitting down with some amazing individuals who have interesting stories to share. Now, today I will be chatting with none other than Jake Sachs, the founder of Hunger, which is a food recommendation app that allows you to organize your recommendation lists in playlists and share them with your social network now beyond hunger jake is also the founder of usc's Founders society a club that brings together usc entrepreneurs and provides them with the space to network and connect from starting an app to being a liaison for usc founders we are going to cover just about everything it takes to start an app from the ground up as well as how he navigates the entrepreneurial network here at usc now with that being said let's see what jake's perspective really is Okay. Welcome to Perspective, Jake. I hope you are just as excited as I am because this is the first full episode of season three. So I hope you're excited. I'm so excited. Um, Just for some context, a little bit on Jake and I's relationship. um, I got in touch with him over the summer because of the Founder Society and he told me about hunger and I knew that his story was perfect for perspective. So I wanted to have him on the pod. And even more than that, we ended up being neighbors. So we've become very good friends this semester which is a joy and i'm excited to have a friend and entrepreneur on the pod
1: so excited to be here
0: okay let's get into it but before (laughs) we jump into hunger and the founder society i want you to just like contextualize everything for us so tell us a little bit about you know yourself, where you're from, how you got to USC, just a little bit of background.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It has been a pleasure and honor getting to live with you so far. I love you. Um, So I am from a small town in Oregon, and that town is called Medford. Its only relevance is being on I-5. It's for context, five hours south of Portland and seven hours north of San Francisco. So it's almost like entirely irrelevant. Um, so growing up, um, I I was one of few kids in my ecosystem that really wanted to get away from Medford and go and do something bigger and explore and um, go to a, a notable school. And that was really exciting for me where I got to, um, I guess build up a lot of things to build a resume for myself where i could go and achieve that so in high school i fell in love very early with building community and i was never the technical kid i can never code um i never knew how to how to build a website or um build a robot a lot of kids in in my classes were um in like like robotics clubs and that was like their thing so i ended up starting a yogurt club at my school where a bunch of kids came together at the gym every friday and we tried a bunch of yogurt that was super cool like frozen yogurt or regular yogurt all types. Of yogurt. Okay. Got like the whole staff, the whole faculty involved, started like, like a fancy football club where like all the teachers were in on it. Um, and then I started a Jewish youth group club um in my small town with like no Jews, found 30 of them and we uh joined this this thing called BBYO, which was really exciting, and that kind of catalyzed me into this space of um how do I bring people together and use that as my tool where I'm not necessarily the kid who's going to get a five on his AP Calc exam. I'm not necessarily the kid who's going to be helping his friends with um, AP Chem homework. I'm the person who can bring people together who loves doing that. Um, So that was kind of for me the catalyst that got me into USC and then um, from there I I just found and honed in this love of building things and people and just saying yes to opportunity and taking first steps and that was kind of uh, what got me into hunger and starting to build something exciting
0: amazing. I know. I feel like even meeting you, like I could tell that you love to like bring people together. I feel like that's such a special skill, especially nowadays, because you know, everyone's like trying to, you know, like you said, like do codings or coding or robotics, like all these very technical things. But at the end of the day, like you have to be able to talk to people and make those connections. So I feel like that is a very valuable asset that you can have, especially as an entrepreneur. But I was wondering if we could jump into hunger a little bit. So can you explain what it is in your own words and maybe how it differentiates itself from other like restaurant recommendation platforms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, a little bit of background on what hunger was when I first started it and what I've kind of evolved into is that I had initially started building a company to solve a problem that I subjectively had and extrapolated that to think that Because I had it, everyone had it, and I was going to be the person to solve this huge problem and enter the social landscape as um, an idea that can be in the same line as Facebook and Instagram, which is obviously... um a huge thing to try and overcome. But what I initially thought was flawed was restaurant discovery. And coming from this small town, right, I knew every taco truck, I knew every little food stand, and I was obsessed with that. And my friends would always ask me for recommendations. And that was such a point of pride for me to be able to tell that Mm -hmm. to them. And then coming to USC and moving to LA, I didn't have that. And the only way I could find small restaurants was just by getting lucky. So when I initially started Hunger, it was really just an app that was the the idea behind it was how can we build essentially a blog that people can share their hidden gems and the little restaurants they know about that other people don't and how can that be leveraged into a database that other people can then use to find the coolest little spots around their city um the more research and time i put into that the more i realized that people don't really want a new way to discover restaurants. People are happy with getting lucky. People are happy with Googling food near me or whatever their their current methodologies are. They're not looking for something else. So what I found was that the pain point is sharing your own restaurant recommendations. And that's something that intense foodies are actively looking for a solution too. So what that means is people that love restaurants, people that love going out to eat every night um, or, or multiple times a week, whatever it may be, they keep those lists within the notes of their phone. People that travel keep those lists in, in Google Sheets um, or Excel Sheets. And then when their friends ask them to share... Um, it's, it's a really tedious process where the person on the receiving end then has to go in and type in every restaurant individually and make those decisions for themselves. Um, what I found is that I could build a tool for them, something that makes it far easier for them to keep track of every restaurant they've been to and organize their recommendations in a really clean and aesthetic way that gives them a sense of clout for, I guess, knowing all of the best spots in a city or even beyond a city, all the best places that they've traveled to. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'll let you follow up with a the question there. But that's a little bit of background and what we're doing. We want to, um, high level, we are uh, we're reigniting restaurant reviews by attacking the peer to peer landscape. Um, what we see right now is that seventy percent of all Yelp reviewers are over thirty five years old, um, and that's exciting for us because there's this huge there's this huge supply of people our age, me and Chloe's age, I guess, um, who have restaurant recommendations that they want to share but don't have a network to do so on. Um, and whether that's because Yelp kind of lost its cool factor five, 10 years ago, or for some other miscellaneous reason, um, that is the the truth. And that number is 10% higher than it was a decade ago, meaning that our generation just isn't adopting it. Um, and conversely, you have this open supply or this open demand, excuse me, of people who want to move away from crowdsource reviews and into what their friends say, because that's what really matters is the people we trust. What are their opinions? What are their recommendations? We know them. We We believe what they say. And whatever they say holds far more value.
0: I can attest that this is a great idea because whenever I have a friend send me a list or something, it sucks having to go in and then yeah, you have to like find where it is. And obviously you kind of like want to see the vibe. Like, is it a very like fancy restaurant? Like you can't get that from just a name. So I think an app where you can like see pictures of the food and the atmosphere is very valuable for people. It'll streamline the Restaurant exploration process, I guess, um, very well. So, can you talk a little bit about maybe some features that differentiate Hunger from the Yelps of the world?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, some of the cool features that we're implementing early um, are playlists. Meaning, in the same way that you go on Spotify and you you know create a playlist and then it's easy to share, easy to keep track of, we're doing the exact same thing for restaurants. So, if you're the type of person who loves to go to taco trucks and you love to keep track of them, and your friends always ask you what are the best taco trucks in LA, um, as opposed to scanning. Your your memory or your notes or whatever it may be, and then sending a bunch of text line after line, you can keep them all in one really, really clean playlist that you can share with all your friends. Um, And that playlist will live on your profile as a source of truth for your dining experiences. Um, In addition to the playlist, we have um, the same Google Maps feature that people love where they can pin things, except you can also see where your friends have pinned. Um, within that feature, there's also an ability to save restaurants that you want to go to so that if you are somewhere that you're unfamiliar with and you've uh, spent a lot of time on the platform, you can just open it and look what restaurants are around you that you want to go to, which ones your friends have been to and like. Um, it's just, it's an easy geographic way for you to make your dying decisions.
0: And all this sounds very labor intensive on the website design end so i was wondering if you could talk about that because i know you have a website designer like you're not the one necessarily doing that so a how did you find them because i feel like i wouldn't even know where to start looking for that kind of talent but also how do you like communicate your ideas to someone else who's executing on your behalf kind of if that makes sense
1: okay that's actually a really really good question and that is an exciting opportunity for me to explain something else, which is that a lot of people who have really exciting skill sets that could make them strong founders don't go into that founder ecosystem because they feel that they aren't equipped. When in reality, all you need is one thing that you excel at and a passion. If you have that, you can find other people around you to fill the necessary holes and build something really exciting. So for me, like I said, my passion lightened community, and I just had... A desire to to you know take that first step and then learn in the process so to answer your question more directly about design um, the first thing I did was uh, go on Fiverr and Fiverr is a uh, a freelance website that allows you to find people who excel in design do it quickly for a low price whereas um, it would be a little bit more difficult um, and less accessible to hunt down my network and figure out who it is that you know has a design background would do it for for a low price so long story short I ended up going to uh, uh, to Fiverr, and I found this designer who was really, really good. What I thought, um, and what he designed, ended up just like not being good at all. It, it just wasn't <laughs> <That's> the
0: worst. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it wasn't representative of the the brand that I wanted to build. And a big thing is that I didn't understand. What brand building was and I, I feel very fortunate that I've recently been able to surround myself with people who do understand brand um for example there, there's a girl on campus named Skylar Mayo um she has
0: Skylar's a Skylar was on the pod yeah Skylar
1: <laughs> love her she has a handbag company that she uh, it's called Ray Threads and it's sold at Fred Seagal um she is the woman on campus love her she understands brand building like no mm-hmm. one else um there are a few people that excel in that. She's one of them, and I've been very lucky to have some exciting conversations with her. Um, long story short, before meeting her, I, I didn't know what brand was, and I didn't understand that I had to have um, text and uh, typography that really represented the the community I was trying to build for. So I just, I created something that looked like it could be suitable, and that wasn't, that wasn't the answer. Um, the answer was, was really spending a lot of time evaluating the type of people who are going to fall in love with my product and building directly for them. So um after parting ways with my first designer, I started trying to learn how to do it myself. Um and I went on Instagram and I found this this one designer who I loved and his lessons were incredible. I, I got so much value out of it. I immediately went and um designed a web page on Figma just to try and teach myself those lessons that I had learned. And then I reached out to him on I DM'd him and I said, Hey, like I would love to, you know, chat for thirty minutes and see what I can learn from you. You're incredible, I love your content. Um and then we chatted and I said, Can I just pay you to design hunger? And since then, we have become very, very close. He ended up doing that. He's a 19-year-old in Poland, so
0: Whoa. you
1: never know who's gonna be a, a strike of gold. He he has 150,000 followers on his Instagram page. Um, it's amazing. Here, I, I do want to plug him really quick, actually. Um, here, I guess. Plug the just... designer. His name his name on Instagram is Michael Philip Iuk. Um, Go follow. Him. Michael dot <laughs> F I L I P I U K. He is the man. Also. I'm not saying you have to like go and hire him, but if you want to learn about design, his posts give you so much value, it is seriously ridiculous. He'll he'll do things where he'll combine, um, like, oh, how does Uber make their design so unique and special, and like what is the target market they're going for, and it just helps you contextualize what the most successful brands in the world are doing, and help you apply that to whatever you're working on, or if you're not working on anything. It's just good knowledge to have, but um, would highly recommend just taking as many opportunities to learn as you possibly can and integrating those opportunities to learn into your daily life and i know that it's often difficult to be like oh i'm gonna read a book a month because that's a big kind of unsustainable thing to do for a lot of people um if you could just like be scrolling on instagram and one in every 20 posts or something of legitimate value. like academic value mm-hmm. you win like you are like theoretically five percent better than most of your peers now every time you scroll on instagram
0: Three things that I want to touch on that you just talked about. First one being branding. I think that investing, especially when you're starting a company, investing in the branding side of it and the (laughs) website design because ultimately that's what the consumer sees. Like They don't see all the work and time put into like other aspects of the company like the operation side of it like at the end of the day they are using the app and like the user interface like is so important so I think it's worthwhile to spend money and outsource like that kind of thing because it's so important to the user experience and then the other thing that I was thinking about when you were just talking is that there's definitely like a medium between outsourcing things and then trying to learn it all yourself so like as an entrepreneur I feel like you're supposed to like wear all these hats and like supposed to be the face of the brand but also like the operations person but also like coding like there's like the expectation that you're supposed to like do everything but i think that's where the importance of community comes in and you can pull on you know your friend that's really good at branding or pull on your friend that has taken like a python coding class um so yeah, that's those were my thoughts from what you were saying. But.
1: Okay, here's some here's like a really interesting follow-up to that, which is that I think a lot of people are too afraid to take the first step because mm-hmm. they feel that they have to be a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. You do not have to be a Swiss Army knife to start a company. You can start on a path to having a machete. And what that means is just one one thing that... I'm
0: going to need you to explain that one. Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) Just have one thing that you are so good at that maybe you're not even like the the best at it yet. Mm -hmm. But you're someone who is on the path to get there because you are enthused about it and you have the passion about that field. If you can become a machete in one thing and hone that down, you have what it takes to go and start a company. Once you you kind of build some, some ideas around that one thing that you excel at, that's when you can bring around some of your friends who can help you with other things. One thing that is important is that um, I would say it's not something that you need initially right out of the gate, but for me, I'm not technical, right? So I can't, I can't code. I can't build product, but what I can do is I can hold a conversation about the product that I am building. Although I can't go into my computer and actually, um, make any meaningful changes. Um, I can guide my, my CTO. My CTO is a chief technical officer. So theoretically right now, I'm, even though it's very early in the product stage, I'm the CEO, meaning that, um, I've separated myself onto all of the work that doesn't require a technical background, whereas my partner is my CTO, and he does everything technical. Mm-hmm. Now we have 50-50 equity, so theoretically there's um, there's no difference between like the CEO title and his title, it's just a matter of the type of work division that we've put in front mm-hmm. of us. Um, but yeah, back to the machete versus Swiss army knife idea, what I mean to say by that is that you don't have to be very good at a lot of things, be the best at one thing, and that will lead you to success.
0: Mm-hmm. And now this made me think of it when you were talking about when it's hard to oftentimes take that first step. And that made me think of like your specific entrepreneurial journey for hunger. When you thought of the idea, like... Two things. Was it like this like aha moment where you like immediately knew exactly what hunger was going to be or did it more just kind of like evolve the more you thought about it? And then follow up question to that would be like, what was that first step that you took that really like took this idea and made it tangible?
1: That's a fantastic question. I actually love that question. Um, So a little bit more background on myself is that I went into college as a political science major. I wanted to be in politics. I wanted to make change by affecting the status quo in public policy. That was my my mission. That was my drive. I was obsessed with um, things like gun control legislation and climate change. And um, I ended up interning on Capitol Hill after my freshman year of college. And after that internship, I recognized that the best way to make change is not through public policy. It's through the public sector and building and being creative and making impacts on individuals by you know, touching them directly as opposed to going through like this ominous being of Congress where it's impossible to get policy passed through a divide Congress. But that, that's beside the point. What um, to answer the question more directly is I recognize that I wanted to change people's habits for the better. I wanted to create something that positively impacted people and was cool and exciting. And I didn't really have the language at the time, but I was obsessed with product. I loved it. I loved consumer experiences. I loved building for people. That was so exciting for me. And I didn't, I didn't really know that I was never able to pinpoint that, um, And I knew that, I, like I said, I knew that I wanted to build something in that restaurant space because it was a problem that I myself had and I knew inside and out. Um, When I first started, it was was just that. It was how can you find small restaurants without having to navigate through the clutter of the McDonald's and Wendy's of the world? How can I just find these small mom and pop shops, these um, little food trucks that no one knows exist? Where are they? How do I find them? And how do I share them? That was the biggest thing. And the deeper I got in the building the more I recognize that there is so much real estate in the consumer side of food tech. And what that means is that, um, outside of just how can I find a restaurant? There's so many little pieces that you can plug in around it that no one has done yet. For example, the creator economy, there are so many people who are posting food content all the time who have built massive followings for themselves and they haven't been able to live on one platform that is a home to them. Um, That's a really exciting opportunity that I immediately recognized I could build around. But to your point, that wasn't in the initial thought process. The initial thought process was very rudimentary. Um, Of course, it was exciting enough for me that I wanted to pursue it, but it wasn't the end all be all. And the very first iteration in my mind of hunger was like a, a Tinder swiping model where you're mm. only seeing
0: Interesting. small
1: restaurants. And then the more time you put into it and the more you learn how to talk to the people you're building for, the more you learn and the more I learned um, what it is that people really want and how do you build directly for them. Um, and that's what's exciting, is when you're able to talk to five people let's say in, in a day and all of them say the same thing. And that's when you have an aha moment. It's not this idea that's conceived in your head overnight or in a dream. It's, it's an idea that a bunch of people are all telling you they want. And then you as the entrepreneur get to go implant that into your product. And that's the most exciting thing is you get to actually do something for people. And that's so fun. It is so exciting. And it's, it's invigorating. It's, it's amazing.
0: Um, you talked about right then, talking to people and like creating something that people actually wanted and then from there like iterating like you said you started with like the tinder model and then switching over to a lot more complex but what was like your consumer research like for this product because I'm in a fundamentals of entrepreneurship class right now and they really like hone in on like the research of it and I never I mean it makes sense like you have to talk to people to make sure that people are actually going to want and buy your product but i don't know i've just like never thought about it in this way so it'd be interesting to see like what your super formal term but like consumer research was like for hunger
1: terrific question again um so my initial research uh i fell into the trap of uh which a lot of people do because it's natural of just asking all my friends what they thought of this exciting idea i had Mm -hmm. and when i pitched them the idea i pitched them in a way where my passion shined through I was very bubbly and eager and excited. And what that does is it makes, especially my friends, um, it puts them in a difficult position where they have trouble shooting down my, theoretically, what's my baby, right? So um, what ends up happening as a result of that is a bunch of false feedback. Confirmation Um, bias. Exactly, confirmation bias. And you end up building something that people don't want that is just kind of, your friends telling you they support you, um, and when your friends are all telling you they support you, it gives you even more enthusiasm to go and continue doing that. When in reality, you're not building something that is going to work, um, and there, there's an exciting lesson. It's called the uh, the mom test, and what the mom test is is how do you how do you? It's a book as well. Um, what do you do to ensure that when you're talking to your users? it's not like talking to your mom. It's not like going up to her and saying, I have this exciting product, I'm very excited about it, it's amazing, I love it, I pour my soul into it, this is my child. How is she supposed to shit on that? She can't, you know, it's the mom test. What you should be doing is two things, and this is what I learned, it was so important for me, is identify exactly who you're building for. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, Go and ask them questions about their problems. Don't go show them the product. Don't tell them about your idea. Just go figure out what it is that they want built. What are their holes? What is it? For for example, they they might not even know that they want something built, but they all have a similar problem. And if you can identify that problem and then build a solution, that's how you build fantastic product. Um, So for me, I ended up finding um, a a young audience that was all users on a competitive platform of mine. And I figured out exactly what it was that they did on that platform, what habits they built around that platform, what was easy to use, what they loved, what they didn't like. And then I used that knowledge to go and build the new hunger that wasn't this Tinder model that I had initially conceived.
0: It's interesting because It kind of sounds like, again, you're combining your two passions of, like, community building and entrepreneurship because you used community to, like, inform your entrepreneurial idea, which is interesting. Lots of crossover. Um, But, okay, so we've talked about, you know, like, how you thought of it, like, the entrepreneurial journey, I guess, to bringing that product to life. I keep saying entrepreneurial journey because I don't know why I keep saying that term. It is a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's You're so true. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you could talk about because, OK, we've built this product and that's amazing. And you've done a ton of research on it. But at the end of the day, people have to know it exists. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, exposure, awareness, the marketing side of things and how you really plan to get this in the hands of users.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few go to market strategies. Ooh, um, let's hear them. You got it. OK, so strategy number one is recognizing where my target audience lives. Um, and I, I've come to the realization that a lot of them are all doing one thing in common. And what that thing is, is they're all following Food TikTokers. Regardless of who that is, they all have a few that they follow, and food content is constantly coming up on their For You pages because that's what they love. And going back for a second, there's going to be a lot of people that theoretically enjoy hunger, that they get some value out of it. But when I'm building, it's really important that I target what's called an innovator. And what an innovator is, is someone who will just try something. And even if the app were to crash or if they weren't to get that much value out of it, they would come back and try it again because they're obsessed with just being an innovator and doing new things and being the first to something after they validate something socially then you enter a different group of people and those are what's called early adopters early adopters are just your general audience of people who want to try something fresh and unique but a lot of them need one thing first and that's social proof social validation that other people have kind of given it their check of approval so what i'm looking for on tiktok is innovators the people who are going to say yes, you can go use this, this is fine, this works. Um, those are gonna be my first hundred users. And the, the place I find them is in the in the following pages of um, the biggest food creators on TikTok. So what I'm doing is I'm building relationships with them and then giving them stipends on hunger for every follower milestone they reach, which encourages them to go out and post content that they want to post, as opposed to saying, which is what Cash App and Tinder Chipotle, what they do is they say, here's a script, go read this script go post your content and then bring it back to us. We're going to critique it. Then you're going to do that again. And then we're going to do this back and forth until we're satisfied with it you produce. When reality, that actually doesn't resonate with their audience well. And then it doesn't convert. And then it's a waste of money on this corporation's part. So what I'm doing instead is I'm saying, do you like this product? Oh, you do. This is fantastic. Go market it however you want. Just go show it off. The better you do in that, the more money you're going to get paid. And that's a really exciting way for me to bring them into the long-term vision of what hunger is, while also bringing their community in with them. That's strategy number one. Strategy two is building out an ambassador program. And I think a lot of people go wrong in ambassador programs where they try to scatter their ambassadors all throughout a large ecosystem. And what happens when you do that is you have a bunch of people who are living in an isolated community where their peers view them as an ambassador simply, and that's all they are. They, it's The company is tied to their name, nothing more, nothing less. Whereas if you find one community and hone it and become amazing in that community and have three, five ambassadors and do things for them and build your product around them as a community at the center, you're now intertwined with them and they're going to feel a brand affinity to not only you as the entrepreneur who's building this new thing, but the product you're actually putting in front of them. So what I'm doing is I'm going directly to Greek Life, which it's it's fantastic for entrepreneurs because they're sticky social communities that I don't have to build. They're, they're pre-made. Um, I just go in and do exciting things for them, um, like dinners, for example, which obviously fits the brand image well. But um, yeah, so so I'm building out an ambassador program right now that's going to target Greek Life. Target sticky social circles, as well as complementing that with a TikTok strategy. Um, additionally, I also think it's it's really really important for go to market that you don't just sell your product on TikTok. You don't just start making content and saying, "Here's what I'm, here's what I have, come buy it." Nobody likes to be sold to. People don't go on TikTok to watch ads. People go on TikTok to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So you have to recognize that when you're on that platform, you have to entertain, or else you lose attention immediately. Mm-hmm. So in order to entertain, or not in order to entertain, you can leverage entertaining to build a brand. And that's what I'm doing. So um, I created a a TikTok thesis of how I can get people's attention really, really strong, um, and find people who are naturally foodies and get them to see the content that I'm building. So I did that a few weeks ago for a week-long sprint. It worked pretty well, um, but now I'm recognizing that's probably not the best use of my time to go and interview a bunch of strangers every day for three hours and then edit for another hour. It's just the the conversions aren't worth it. But what is worth it is recognizing that I do um, love making content. And what can I do that's even more exciting than interviews that will get 100,000 views is create a piece of content that people are so obsessed with that every time they go on TikTok, they type in my username and refresh, excited and hopeful that I've posted again in the same way that a lot of people do with Mr. Beast content or Cody Ko content or whoever it may be on YouTube. I want to create that same vibe. Um, and the idea I have for that is to recreate hot ones where I go up to celebrities and say, what's your favorite restaurant? They answer. I then take them there. Um, we not only review the food, but I give them an interview in the same way that Chloe is so lovely doing with me. Um <laughs> And that is what's going to have that shock factor of, oh my God, this is exciting, but also land directly on the For You pages of my target audience.
0: Something that... Oh, a lot of things stood out. But yeah, people go to TikTok to be entertained. I think that that is such an important insight. I think Duolingo is like the perfect example of that. Like their videos, like everyone loves that little character of theirs because it's so funny and so entertaining. Doesn't really have anything to do with language learning, but it's so fun. Um, and I think your video... Well, talk about the TikTok strategy that you explained to me because I think that that's really interesting because you were talking about how like in the first... Three they need to see someone like having fun. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know you can do a better job than I can do.
1: Okay, so the core of it kind of (laughs) overarching is that like you have to reset people's like ADD meter every few seconds because people are so quick to scroll. People are so quick to get bored. If you can subconsciously keep people engaged, whether it's through the visual content or the audio content that's combined um, on your video for 30 seconds, you win. Don't go over 30 seconds because people don't have a a mental yeah. breath like that. They, they don't have the bandwidth to, to withstand a 35 second video even. And I, I played with this a lot where I would post 28 second videos and I would post 40 second videos. Um, they really, the exact same quality content, the exact type of content, the 28 second ones all did better just because people are, more receptive to those quick pieces of content. Now, what Chloe was referencing is um, what I had initially done here. I'll, I'll backtrack just for a second. What the videos were, which you can go follow on at Welcome to the Feast on TikTok, is
0: Bug. yeah,
1: plug, <laughs> is interview series. And I don't know if you guys have seen, but there is a really popular interview series in New York where this guy goes up to strangers and says, "What do you do for a living?" What's your favorite thing about your job? Or how much you pay for rent? Can I see your apartment? And what's really exciting about those videos and the reason why they're so successful is because for a lot of people, they don't have easy access to excited, young, attractive, fashionable people just to have an insight into their life. watching those TikTok videos is the closest thing they're going to get to it. And that content doesn't necessarily have to be super strong. It just has to be a portal for them to feel like they have some sort of relationship with these strangers that they will never meet. And of course, that, that's um, kind of an unfortunate reality. But um, I recognize that no one's doing that same concept for restaurants. So what I did was I built around um, something that can be tastefully controversial. And what I mean by that is um, ask a question like, what is the best restaurant in L.A.? Of course, it's, it's controversial in the fact that it creates people who are upset about all these USC kids who don't know what they're talking about um, or kids from the wrong part of town or whatever it may be. It gets people active in the comment section. Um, what I'm doing to, to actually put people's faces in front of the audience is I'm going for quick hitters. Just what's your favorite restaurant in L.A.? a quick name of the restaurant, next person, bang. And I keep their attention, the the viewer's attention, for three seconds, next interval. Hit it for three seconds, next interval, three seconds. You do that repeatedly for for 10 or or even less videos. Um, And you have someone locked in for the entirety of a short. And then they scroll, and if they they watch through the entirety, the algorithm will show it to to them again. And that's really important, and I did that just by recognizing that other people had done it in the past, they'd been successful, and there's no reason at all to try and reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. If you know what works, And you can replicate it. Replicate it. Like there's no harm in that. There's like maybe there's a little bit of a stigma. Just like do it. Like that's how you win. Is find what works and do it.
0: I think when you told me about this and you were like, I'm going to start making TikToks. I was like, great. Like, that's awesome. And then you told me about, like, your strategy behind it and how you did all this research about, like, okay, I need to have, like, three second interval clips and, like, skip to the next one. I think it just goes to show, like, how intentional you are with everything because I think most people would be like, oh, I'm going to do a day in the life as, like, a founder, like, go to all these restaurants, like, which that is great in its own way and, like, has its own value, but... I think the fact that you're, like, strategizing this so intentionally and, like, making these choices, like, all with your um, target consumer in mind, I think just goes to show that, like, hunger really is your little child that you're nurturing, like, very slowly, but... gonna come out to be amazing
1: thank you that's another thing i want to touch on really really quick a lot of people that use tiktok that are founders they try to make themselves the face of the company do not do that as gorgeous and amazing as you are people are only going to resonate with your content if you are famous and it's really dangerous because what's going to happen is that the people watching your content are only going to download your product if they feel an affinity towards you whereas if you just show them other things that are kind of tangential to the product maybe we'll give it a chance another problem with that is if something happens and for whatever reason they don't feel an affinity to you it doesn't matter how great your product is they're not going to download it and that's of course very dangerous so when you're making content be wary of uh, making yourself the face of it
0: mm. yeah i think that's just like our natural reaction just to like share the process and everything and like i was saying there's value in that 100 percent. but yeah it's interesting to think about like what resonates with the person that you're trying to reach necessarily like not what resonates with you exactly yeah but okay now talking a little bit more about logistics i was wondering if you talk about money for a sec
1: monetization or price
0: well of two things i guess then monetization how is this going to make money because at the end of the day business has to make money and then second of all how did you fund this like was this self-funded did you like raise money? Like what was that process like?
1: Yes. Great questions. So, um, First part is uh, what is monetization strategy, and for me, I was really excited about a few ideas. I really wanted to plug into Open Table or plug into DoorDash and be essentially a, a hub and a source of truth for everything in the dining realm, where you go to hunger and it does everything for you. You don't need to Google any restaurants, you don't need to research on Yelp, you don't need to go and order on any other platform. Everything you need is right there on one app. And it turns out that Open Table's margins are so incredibly low that. It, I would get like $8 a month. Like It, it wouldn't yeah. be anything if I partnered with them. Um, and DoorDash doesn't have every restaurant. So there, there's a bit of a technical concern in terms of partnering with DoorDash because I'd have to partner with every delivery service. That's something that we could potentially do long term. But the biggest takeaway of that is that alone is not a venture-backable company. And what a venture-backable company means is something that can be so, become so profitable that the people that invest in it can eventually return their fund. Meaning um, an entire... Pool of money that was put together by a bunch of other people uh, who have enough money to invest in one large portfolio. And if every single investment that they make is so strong that there's just one of them that can uh, multiply that large fund at least like twice, they win or return the fund, even just make them their money back, they win. And the idea of partnering with DoorDash could never do that ever. So Uh, When I started pitching to investors, which they really liked, and I personally hate, it's probably bad, I'm being this transparent, but if Hunger can become the first platform to allow food content creators to monetize their restaurant recommendations, Mm -hmm. I could follow suit from Patreon um, and take take momentum from them. And Patreon is a platform that allows people to, or not people, it allows content creators to post their behind-the-scenes content and put a subscription paywall on top of it. And they have over... um, like 160,000 uh creators on the app and the the people who actually pay for the subscriptions have given them over two billion in value so they're 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 winning they're doing well i can do the same thing i think it's a it's a bad look to put a paywall on top of what will be my best content there's another app called step which is a map that allows you to pin um all your favorite places restaurants hotels things to do whatever across the world um it's blown up in the UK. That's what they do. It works for them. I just don't want anyone to go in my app um, and find their favorite content creator only to see that there is a lock icon and they have to pay money to see their content. That sucks. That's not what I'm wanting to build. I'm wanting to build community. Community doesn't have paywalls. I'm telling investors that, but I, I mean, recognizing my own entrepreneurial journey, um, in three months from now, there's gonna be some like there's gonna be so many lessons that I learn and so many pivots that I take and so many new avenues that become available just from time and experience and talking to more people that whatever way I monetize is probably gonna be something that I haven't even conceived of like I, I haven't even impression what's that word it's not conceived I haven't even mm. is it haven't even I haven't even thought of yeah yeah I
0: haven't thought of it. yeah
1: I haven't even thought of it yeah
0: that's exciting though
1: yeah so there there's a lot of doors open um for sure but like all I all I know right now is that regardless of how many uncertainties there are i am utterly in love with spending my free time doing whatever it may be that i can say like like umbrella is working on hunger like that is so fun for me i love it and there's nothing i would rather be doing and yeah there's a lot of complicated things i have to work out And there's a lot of things in the future that have question marks next to them that doesn't mean that like what i'm doing today and tomorrow and like all next week isn't just like so ridiculously exciting to the point where like I'm willing to miss class to go and meet someone who's doing something similar and continue just being in this space.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why I think entrepreneurship is so exciting and fun because you get to work with people that are so passionate and it's so clear that they are. So it's fun to have like that energy surrounding something and working towards like a shared goal. But I was wondering a few things so like two years down the line like what are your hopes and dreams for hunger like how do you imagine people using it like is it going to be like instagram or like the next yelp or like what what's the vision
1: another great question and that's been a great thought exercise too of what's the ideal vision in two years um in two years ideally i want to be like a niche thing that like Mm -hmm. like every really intense foodie is obsessed with and they love and they share it as um, something that is like core to their identity like they have a presence on hunger and that makes them that fuels them with joy like that is so exciting and fun for them um and i think that if i can do that really well in the next two years that's going to be what catalyzes me into a much larger larger more um diverse audience mm-hmm. where so, so right now, there's two types of users I have to think about, um, active users and lurkers. Active users are people who, like I just described, are going to make an entire personality trade of theirs where they are constantly uploading reviews, keeping track of restaurants part of their personality part of their sense of self lives on hunger and that's gonna be really exciting and fun to to work around and build around but conversely there's also going to be a second subset of people who just use hunger as a way to get information they're never going to post they would never even consider posting but the value they get out of it is huge and they're considered lurkers just people who have the app they love the app but they're never going to contribute to the app
0: and for you is hunger like this is even longer than two years but is this like end game for you? Like, is this what you're going to work on like post-grad or is this just more like a stepping stone for you?
1: That's a really good question that I, I toy with a lot where I know that if hunger were to, for whatever reason, explode tonight, um, the knowledge I've gained out of hunger so far, exceeds the knowledge I've gained from three and a half years of a college education, which is insane to me. Like, I, I I don't take any of this for granted. I do love everything that has to do with this. I love the process. I love the product side. I love the marketing side. I love the the ability that I've been able to. I love I love that I've been able to use this as a vehicle to meet new people, which I value so much. Um, but in the in the case that marshals around and it has no traction and it's clearly a dud, um, I'm just gonna take these lessons, pack my bag, and go do something else with my co-founder. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot more opportunities that rely on um, someone who understands marketing and community um, and also someone who has a, a really strong technical background mm-hmm. that are much more legitimate problems with much more intricate solutions that need to be had. Um, and I'm excited to use this background with my co-founder to theoretically catalyze us into this new wave of entrepreneurship where we're building um, software or um, just like an enterprise tool, whatever it may be, that we can get venture funding and, and play that game. But um, yeah, I, I guess just kind of waiting to see um, mm-hmm. whether or not this gets traction and it can be a legitimate like career. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the value I have gained out of it is like, Huge, so far. So whatever happens, I'm happy.
0: I feel like I agree that it's best to learn through like using your tools. I feel like USC, like not to shit on the education at all, but like I've learned way more outside of the classroom at USC than I have inside the classroom, and I think that yeah, like you're just a testament to that. And creating an app or a company is like the best way to you know try your hand at using your skills.
1: You're actively interviewing me in a podcast right now like people aren't doing podcasts like that's insane here so take away like do something that excites you if you have an idea like if if this if right now you're listening to this and you're like i could do a podcast do it literally go make a podcast be like chloe kopski that is so cool and so exciting and so fun and both of us like she said can be a testament to the fact that little passion projects like this can become double the value of whatever you're learning in school and it's free to do oftentimes Mm -hmm. um yeah do it have a passion pursue it fall in love with it and learn Mm
0: -hmm. and backtracking before it leaves my brain your co-founder i was wondering if you could talk about that relationship a little bit how you found them and i think i was recently at this um guest speaker event and the founder of a different company was talking about how important it is to have or work with people that supplement your weaknesses so you know like you said like this person's like your left left brain to your right brain like can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah absolutely so we compliment each other so well it's ridiculous we've always known this um him and i so our mom said uh, what's it called? Water like they did water aerobics. They, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, they did water aerobics while they How were I pregnant with us. I don't know, that's nuts. Um, so they did water aerobics while they were pregnant with us, and then we were born like a month apart, and then best friends ever since, which is fun and delightful. And growing up, we we would like get lunch and like talk about random little things. Like we had this phase where. It honestly wasn't even me. It was him. Like, he was obsessed with psychology and reading. And he would read, like, ten books at a time and just learn everything there is to know about something. And he was always this brilliant guy. Like, utterly brilliant. And I was just passionate. That was what I had. I would, like, get excited about things and do it. Um, and I was never in the space where I thought that, like, starting a company was going to be something I did um, or would do. Uh, long story short, ended up... Uh, Hiring an offshore dev team for Hunger, recognize that like wasn't the path. Talked to him about like, oh, I'm just like I'm hunting for someone at USC to do the dev work, and he he asked me on the phone because we talk a lot regardless of Hunger. He was like, how much work would this be? Like, how many hours a week are you expecting? And I was like, I don't know, like probably like eight or something. Like, I don't know, I, I gotta figure that out. And he was like, I could do eight hours a week, <laughs> and I was like. What do you mean? He was like, why don't we just do this together? Because obviously I had kept him in the loop. Like he had known that I was working on this. Um, a lot of the conversations of creativity um, and next steps and just like my enthusiasm was going through him regardless. But I had never even thought of the idea that we could do this together. Um, and then when he said it, I was like, yeah, like, I'm in. This is sick. And it worked so well because there is I, I don't know that we have a single skill that overlaps like everything I can't do he is he's a wizard at everything that um, I can do like I'm I'm the one of the two of us that, that does and executes that well um, and together like we're just very very confident in our ability to um, build a few companies in our time and hopefully one of them will will be successful and at the very least I just know that working with him is the most fulfilling thing in my life because I get to, like, it literally checks every box. I get to work on something I'm passionate about, which is fulfilling. I get to hang out with my best friend all the time in a productive and engaging way. Um, I get to, like, let my creative juices flow with someone who I bounce ideas off of very well. And I get to grow with someone I care about. And that's, like, the most ideal thing ever. Um And I don't take that for granted at all. Like, I have a little list of things that I like to, like, you know, be thankful for. And that's literally number one.
0: into the speed round of questions and here at perspective we do this so you guys the listeners can get to know the guests on our podcast on a more personal level and because perspective is an extension of spec magazine a fashion lifestyle culture and wellness student-run publication we like to frame the questions regarding this topic so answer with whatever comes to mind it's a speed round just top of mind okay are you ready Mm -hmm. so who is your current favorite influencer
1: favorite influencer polo boy
0: okay i don't know who that is but i'll be looking them up right after this um who's your style icon
1: my style icon wait in what sense
0: like fashion
1: oh in a weird way 070 shake i'm, a, I'm okay. obsessed with her
0: interesting yeah
1: even though she's like a woman uh, no. <laughs> I, well, I just love her
0: does she do a lot of vintage shopping because i feel like yeah. you do
1: yeah yeah she's like like she she's honed like the baggy vibe
0: mm, yeah you know, sick Um, coolest new startup you know of right now You can give a few, too, since Um, I know you're well-versed.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, In terms of, like, consumer side or just, like, ones that are going to make money? Both. Okay, there's this one really exciting thing called Enter, E-N-T-R. What they're doing is they're creating a a software that allows people building consumer products, like CPG, uh, for, like, Target or Whole Foods or whatever. It allows them to create their labeling in a really fast, effective way that meets all the FDA guidelines. Hmm. Um, And the founding team is awesome. They're they're from USC. Uh, But, yeah. And then uh i feel like i haven't seen like two oh sauce s-a-u-z it's a, oh, it's a yeah. sauce company um recently i've been really into like taking like basic things and rebranding them to have like a really exciting aesthetic and let that be what drives your consumer presence and they do that really well
0: mm. um what are you reading right now
1: Um, I'm actually rereading a book that uh, was pivotal for me in high school. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And Mm. I know it sounds... Kind of like like, oh, like I have friends like I don't need that but it's it's case studies of like what the best leaders in the world have done to position themselves as, as great leaders and the things that they do and the habits they have that um, separate themselves as unique and special whether that's remembering every person's name they have ever met and how they remember their names or um, how to give constructive feedback or little things like that it just reading that book is so fulfilling. I don't know. It's it's just so interesting. It, it makes you feel like you're not too many degrees of separation away from the most successful icons in business.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like it's teaching you lessons that you can implement like yes, right away. They're
1: implementable. Yeah, it's not like oh, I have to like go and make more of a time investment to actually mm-hmm. do something actionable. It's like I can do this starting today.
0: Okay, of course I'm going to ask you some food questions. So, quick hits: favorite restaurant in LA for a date night. There for gonna a be specific. date night.
1: Um, <laughs> ep and lp you go in oh yeah Yeah, it's amazing and the reason why it's my favorite is because um it's twofold a the restaurant itself is fantastic but at the end you go upstairs and it's a rooftop bar that has a great aesthetic really really creative good drinks and a little lounge you know like first date vibe
0: don't they have a rooftop like movie yeah, thing yeah, too? yeah yeah they yeah. also have
1: like a, a rooftop movie type thing it's also in a very cool area so if you want you can go to like a club after if that's the vibe mm-hmm. a lot of open ends it mm-hmm. lets you like decide the night hmm. it's, it's great yeah
0: Listeners, take notes. EP,
1: and then like the and the ampersand, and LP. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I've
0: never heard it's it. It's called ampersand,
1: I swear to God. Okay. Ampersand. I, I
0: believe you. Um, favorite restaurant in LA that you think is underrated or just like doesn't get the hype it deserves?
1: Yes, 100%. Okay, so this one, um, I, I feel like the vast majority of people listening are USC students. It's called Tacos to Meeks, and it is that weird little sketchy taco truck that's by the gas station when you leave campus what's the road that passes the village like i don't know it is i swear to you (laughs) and every single every single person i've put onto this they they will call me at like midnight and say i just had this taco it's like like i can never have another taco again this just like this changed my perspective on food Hmm. do you like how you use perspective
0: Hmm? i said perspective Yeah.
1: yeah um Trademarks. Go to tacos to Meeks. It's fucking amazing. You won't regret it.
0: Okay, what's the most overhyped restaurant in LA? I feel like there's so many.
1: Um. Ooh, you know me.
0: <gasps> Wait, disagree. Okay, I love you. Know okay, okay, me. okay.
1: Their appetizers are lovely. I'm obsessed with their appetizers. The hand rolls themselves. I think the seaweed is just like bad. Wait,
0: disagree. The, uh, really? I respect your opinion though.
1: Yeah. They have I don't a Michelin
0: know. star. They are
1: great. Okay. You know what? Actually, I want to take that back almost because I think that their internal design, their interior design. So good. I'm obsessed with it. It's like futuristic and lovely.
0: Okay. And lastly, what is, as a founder, entrepreneur, what is your biggest advice you have for the people listening?
1: Yeah. So as a college student, especially, say two things. One, say Yes to everything. Always, always, always say yes, whether it's someone that wants to hang out and meet you that you haven't talked to before or a new opportunity to go experience something or explore LA. Whatever it is, always say yes. Secondly, recognize that your status as a student is not infinite and people want to help students. People want to be on your path to greatness. Whatever that looks like for you, meet everybody. Say yes again, always, but within the lens of learning and getting better, and doing that through um, the thought leaders of spaces that you are most excited by, whether that's product or tech or design or whatever it is, fashion. Find those people and leverage the fact that you're still a student. And even though we feel old and like we, we're independent, we're still very, very young. And people who are out of this like student ecosystem want nothing more than to help the next generation. If you can take advantage of that, you're gonna be leaps and bounds further ahead than your peers.
0: I couldn't agree more. People love to help students, and it's awesome. And I'm scared for next year when people aren't as willing to help me.
1: Yeah, because um, <laughs> once you're 23 and out of school, you're on the same. They're not as cool anymore. That, but also you're in the same playing field as like 32 year olds. <sighs> like you're seen as the same.
0: Yeah. Okay, enough of that. I'm getting scared. (laughs) Okay, well, that brings us to the end of episode one. Um, Jake, I know you are always grinding on work, hunger, networking, whatever it is. So thank you very much for sitting down with me today. Um, For my listeners, make sure you're following Hunger on Instagram at hunger.app and then also following them on TikTok, as he mentioned, at welcome to the feast. So you can be the first to know when Hunger officially launches. Also, make sure to follow SpecMagUSD on Instagram to get sneak peeks of issue 11 of the magazine and updates on new perspective episodes. Thank you again, Jake. I can't wait to see all the amazing things you accomplish with hunger and also with your entrepreneurial journey. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm your host, Chloe Kopsky. Thank you for listening to the first episode of season three. I'll be back soon with another episode of Perspective in which I sit down with even more interesting USC students.